behind the back, wrap around, and climbing the ladder is Dante Hall. Sexton. Step back. Good! Patty at three. Oh, he's a flamethrower! What a shot! 6-3. It's good! It's good! It's good! Colin Sexton made the floater! They'll review it! But oh mercy! Colin Sexton may have saved the season! Tigers set to trigger it in. Smart gets it into Watford. Threw it away! He'll run it down in the backcourt. He will take it to the top of the arc. Watford three at the buzzer blocked by Herb. The putback, no! The buzzer sounds! And Bama hangs on! Oh my goodness! Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jordan Harker, head basketball analyst at Tide Illustrated of the Rivals Network. You can find me on Twitter at HarperNation24 and on the message boards over at Tide Illustrated. Please go get a subscription over there. Um, they're getting ready for the Rose Bowl and also SEC play for for Alabama coming up um, in the next week or so. So big things happening over at Tide Illustrated. Very busy, a lot of great content. Um, you you definitely won't be disappointed with, with the great editors and writers that we have over um, on Tide Illustrated. But I'm here to kind of recap the past week for Alabama basketball. It was a good week, and they really needed one after the previous week and a half where they just fell short three times against top 10 opponents in Purdue, Arizona, and Creighton. Um, in this past week, they faced Eastern Kentucky and Liberty. Now, Eastern Kentucky is projected to, or was predicted before the season to win their conference. But, you know, with, with their conference, they're, they're just not a very good basketball team. And Alabama kind of showed that. Putting up 111 points on them, beating them 111 to 67. Now, this this was a game where Alabama really needed to get right in because they've kind of struggled in the past two to three games. Um, Purdue, they shot the, the three ball really, really well, making nearly 23-point 20, shots. But against Arizona and Creighton, they, they really struggled, specifically against Arizona. They couldn't do anything from distance. And Grant Nelson especially that game, but you know, they, they needed a game to where they really shot the ball well. The offense really flowed well. It just seemed like they weren't under control or didn't control what they were doing in the past two games. And they really needed this game to do that. And they, they really did. They took advantage of the opponent they were playing. And they didn't play down. They didn't come out sloppy. And they played excellent basketball. Now, Alabama shot the ball 69 times, so they, sh they shot a lot. Eastern Kentucky did as well. And really, Alabama did whatever they wanted. They made 19 of 38 three-pointers. So that lets you know that they, they got their shooting stroke back. Their offense was clicking. Um, just, just looking at the numbers, they went 40 of 69 overall, 19 of 38 from three. So overall, they went 21 of 31 from inside the arc which shows that they're getting to the rim and they're playing inside out ball. Now they didn't shoot the free throws. Well, obviously Nate Oates is probably upset about that. They went 12 of 20 overall, but everywhere else they dominated. And the one stat I always look at with Alabama is their assists. That lets you know that they're, they're having a lot of catch and shoot opportunities to where they're not having 
to really force things. They're not having to ISO ball and do things themselves or one-on-one. It's really playing off each other. And to have 29 assists that game on 40 made shots lets me know that pretty much every every shot that Alabama made was coming off of a dish or a kick out um, or a lob. So that, that lets me know that they're really operating at you know full capacity to what they're capable of and what Nate Oates wants them to do. So just kind of diving into the box score a little bit. Um, obviously, Alabama dominated this, um, the box score, scoring 111 points. Thought Rylan Griffin had a really good game, five and nine from three, scored 19 points overall. Aaron Estrada had 12 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. He's been filling the stat sheet of late. Whether he wasn't scoring, he's he's crashing the boards. He's been a good facilitator on offense. He he's kind of starting to find his stride a little bit here the past few games. Um, starting to let the game come to him, and that's really what he needs because he's been kind of forcing things lately. Grant Nelson had a great bounce back game, 19 points on seven of nine shooting, hit a couple threes. And one thing I saw with him that game that really got him going was they they started posting him up more and they played him at the five a few times, got him on mismatches down low, saw the ball go in, get some easy buckets, and just got got better feel of the game and let it come to him. Some of these guys really need that. Now, Mark Sears didn't have a good shooting game. And he went four of ten, had eleven points. Um, Latrell Wrightsell had nine. Sam Walters made a couple threes. Davin Cosby made four threes throughout the game. Had twelve points as well. So everybody kind of got in on the action, and except Jaron Stevenson, who has really, really struggled of late. You can tell he's hit a freshman wall after a, a few good games early on. He he only played six minutes. This game had zero points, went 0 of 3 from the field. So he's starting to kind of fall, you know, by the wayside in terms of rotational minutes. And you got Nick Pringle playing 17 minutes. You had Muhammad Wagee play 13 minutes. So they're starting to play a little bit more versatile lineups, having Grant Nelson play some at the five. McGee playing because that, that's that's 30 minutes. That's about 10 minutes of not playing a true five in the offense and kind of letting Grant Nelson play a little bit and just see what they what they got there because Grant Nelson is a really good scorer in the paint and he is a mismatched nightmare for most you know prototypical fives that the Alabama will see in the SEC play. Uh, I thought the defense played really well, held Eastern Kentucky, um, who likes to play really fast, um, to 33% shooting, 27% from three, and forced 13 turnovers overall. But overall, just a great get-right game for Alabama. Um, not much else to really go into. Um, 111-67 to 67, um, outcome here. Um, they were up 61-32 to 32 at the break and outscored Eastern Kentucky 50-35. to 35 after the first half. Now, the most recent game, which was earlier today, technically, so it's still it's 11.30 uh, Central Time at this recording. So Alabama played Liberty at 1 p.m. today. And this was a game where Alabama desperately needed and couldn't afford a, uh, 
you know, kind of a sleepwalk game being 11 p.m. or 11 or 1 8, 1 p.m. Let me get my, my words straight. 1 p.m. game in Birmingham wasn't going to be a big crowd because of the Rose Bowl being two days uh, from now. So you had a lot of fans traveling to California. So it's going to be a lot of just Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, Alabama fans. So there wasn't a lot, probably about five or 6,000 people maybe, um, but they, they they made their presence felt for the most part. Um, obviously with lower capacity, um, smaller arena, it, it was not going to be a distinct advantage for Alabama, but overall Alabama ended up winning 101 to 56. And again, they were just kind of carrying over from what they did against Eastern Kentucky. They had about a week off in between Eastern Kentucky and this game. So Liberty is a team that will end up being more than likely an automatic qualifier in their conference. So they'll more than likely make the NCAA tournament by winning their conference. They're 10 and four. They're, I believe, on the last ranking I saw of mid-major teams, they were number eight. So they're one of the top mid-major teams in the country. They were ranked, I think, right at 50, if not 49, of the net ranking. So this would be considered a quadrant one win if Alabama were to win. And it, it was a game that Alabama had to have going into SEC play. They needed another potential quadrant one game down the down the road. And they got that victory 101 to 56, where Alabama, like I said, really carried over uh, their good play from Eastern Kentucky. They shot 58% from the field. They made 14 more three pointers, 50% from three again, making 14 of 28 and going 21 of 32 uh, from, from inside the arc. And they shot better from the free throw line as well, 17 of 20. I go back and I look and see how many assists Alabama had. They had 21 assists on 35 made made shots. So that lets you know that over half their shots were off driving kicks or lobs. So that, that lets you know that Alabama is really playing um, really good basketball offensively, as they have all year. So th- this has been the third, fourth, fifth time that Alabama has scored over 100 points. Now all five are against mid-major teams. I don't care who you play, 100 points five times and you're not even in conference play yet is absolutely insane. And it's the reason that Alabama is still and has been majority of the year the number one ranked adjusted offense, according to Kim Palm. And they more than likely will continue to be the number one team because they have such a huge gap in between them and number two that it would take a lot um, for them to fall out of that spot. But they had 21 assists on 35 made shots. They scored 42 points in the paint, just really dominated, had a distinct height advantage, size advantage. They they could do whatever they wanted on against Liberty, uh, pretty much. So, And that's really what they did. Liberty never led. Alabama led from the start. I think it was tied 7-7 at one point. But after that, Alabama led 48-27 to at the half, and then they put up another 53 in the second half. And I thought they played really good defense against, you know, Richie McKay is a, good, a great coach and a great schemer on offense. And he's going to get his guys good shots and good looks. But I thought Alabama just out physical Liberty, made it really tough on them to get to their spots and forced Liberty to be uncomfortable all day long. 
And that's really how Alabama's going to have to play. They're going to have to play a lot of help. They overhelp sometimes too much. Uh, but I really feel like they bust their tail enough on, on defense to make up for that. And you saw that today against Liberty. And Latrell Ratzel had his best game in an Alabama uniform, scoring 19 points, um, made six of eight shots. And he really came off the bench and gave Alabama a spark early to where Alabama got the lead and got a double-digit lead once he came in, and they never looked back. Um, just looking at the box score, he had Mark Sears that had 16 points, four rebounds, four assists, so he had a good bounce-back game from Eastern Kentucky. And Aaron Estrada finished with two assists, shy of a triple-double. He had 13 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists, and also had four steals. So you're starting to see, although his great games are against mid-major opponents, that's okay because he's going to have an up-and-down year just because he's coming from a smaller Smaller conference in the CAA um, at Hofstra, and he's not going to have great boom games all the time against bigger opponents. And the big opponents that they face are three top 10 teams. You got a top 15, 18 team in Clemson, and then Ohio State, which was just a big um, mismatch in terms of personnel. So Aaron Estrada, he, he's starting to come around starting to round into form as I, pretty much this whole team is before conference play starts next week. And we'll just kind of dive into those, um, the next two games here in a second. But you had Rollin Griffin score 10 points. I believe that's four straight games he scored in double figures. Grant Nelson had 12 points. Um, I mentioned Ritzel had 19 off the bench. Sam Walters hit a couple more threes, had 10 points. And Jared Stevenson had a really nice game. He, he played 20 total minutes this game with um, four or five minutes coming at the end of the game and garbage time. But good to see him kind of bounce back a little bit. Um, hopefully he can get gain some gain some traction before conference play because they're really going to need him. Because Nick Pringle only played nine nine minutes this game. Muhammad Wagi scored or Wagi scored or played fourteen minutes at six points. So they're not playing a whole lot of minutes towards. They're big guys. They're starting to see Grant Nelson more um, because that's another 23 minutes total from your centers. So you're seeing Grant Nelson play some at the five, Jaron Stevenson play at the four, and in games like this where you have that big of a size advantage, you really can do that. So that might be something that you see moving forward against smaller lineups. Uh, which would be a great strategy for Alabama to have. Or they could just go go really small and you know play play Stevenson at the five some even though he's really small or you know he's he's not small, he's six eleven, but he he doesn't have a whole lot of size to him. Grant Nelson's more fit to play in the post against typical fives. But you know, if you wanted to throw Stevenson in at at the five, put Griffin at the four. Um, you, you certainly could do that and just play, you know, three three to four guard lineup um, against smaller lineups. So a lot of versatility that Al, Nate Oates is kind of tinkering with. And whatever they're doing right now is definitely working. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how Alabama kind of carries this over into, into conference play in the next week. 
So kind of just transitioning into SEC play, which is going to be coming up um, on January the 6th. So you're looking at about about eight days from now, or seven days technically. Alabama will travel to Vanderbilt, which is the worst team by far in the SEC. And they'll travel to Nashville, play at 2.30 on a Saturday. And you know how Alabama's misfortunes have been in Nashville in the past. Well, the past few games or the past few years, uh, to my memory, Alabama has dominated Vanderbilt, dominated them. Now, Vanderbilt hasn't been great the past few years, but they have been dominant in Nashville. And that's a, a welcome sight to most Alabama fans that remember the time of where you go to Nashville, it, it, it was a death sentence. It was something crazy was going to happen and prevent Alabama from winning. Now, I will say Vanderbilt has been kind of up and down recently. They, they did play Memphis really close at Memphis, lost by two, and they were up um, majority of that first half. But they did recently lose to South or Western Carolina at home by one and lost to San Francisco at home by 13, lost to Texas Tech by 22 at home. So they're coming off a win against Dartmouth, but overall they've lost seven of their last nine, with the majority of them coming at home. So this team is reeling bad. They're ranked in the 200s in Kempom. They're not very good at all. Tyron Lawrence is pretty much the guy that's going to – pretty much be carrying them scoring-wise. Um, him and Ezra Mannion. Mannion averages 15, technically 16 points. Tyron Lawrence, Lawrence averages 12. But after that, there's there's a pretty big drop-off. Um, they don't have much size at all. They're a guard-oriented lineup. And they do not shoot the basketball well at all. So you're going to see a team that can't score well go up against a team that scores at will. And Vanderbilt cannot stop um, a nosebleed defensively. So it's going to be a a really tough game for for Vanderbilt. Now they are at home, so that will be kind of the only plus that I see with, with this matchup. But for this game for Alabama, this needs to be a statement game going into conference play. You always want to make a statement. You always want to stick out and say, we're here. They've won the SEC regular season and tournament title two of the last three years. They dominated the SEC last year. They dominated the tournament last year, or the SEC tournament. So you want to go into this game where you're probably going to be double-digit favorites on the road against Vanderbilt. You're a top-five Ken Palm team. You're a top 10 net team. Although you are eight and five, probably the best eight and five team in history, or one of. I think they're one of like eight or nine teams in history that have had five losses that are in the top five of Kimpom since it came out. But you want to go in and you want to dominate this team, this inferior team. Beat them by 15, beat them by 20, and be look good doing it. Show them that. You know, you're, you're not just here to squeak by with wins. You want to come in and dominate uh, the way that you expect it to. And I think they will. I think Alabama will come go into Nashville. I think they'll take care of business against Vanderbilt, win by 15, 20 points or something like that. Um, and that's really what they need. 
so going into the second game on January the 9th, so a few days after that, 6 p.m. on SEC Network, Alabama comes back home and faces South Carolina. Now, South Carolina is an interesting team. They, they haven't played anybody, and the only team they played was Clemson, and they lost by five. The other teams that they've played, such as Florida A&M, Elon, Winthrop, Charleston Southern, Eastern Carolina, they've won five in a row. None of them were, you know, extremely impressive. Barely beat Eastern Carolina, barely beat Charleston Southern, barely beat Winthrop. So they're not, they don't blow you away. But they are a top 60 team in Kempom. Um so anything that you do beating this team, it's probably going to be a quad two win by the you know the end of the season. It's still a team that you should dominate because nothing about them screams impressive. They're not going to be a top seven team. I mean, they are twelve and one, but they're not a they're not a top seven six team in the SEC. They're going to be in the bottom half. So it's another game to where you're at home, you play this team, you're probably a 10-plus point favorite, and just come out and dominate. Just come out and show them that they or you are a top-four team in the SEC, and you're going to get one of those double buys, and that you're in contention to win the conference again. Now, we know that SEC games are always different. Crazy things happen. Not all the games go the way that you expect them to. But these first two games, Vanderbilt and South Carolina, should be chalked up as wins. Hard to do that in conference, like I mentioned, but I could see Alabama starting 2-0 in conference, going into Mississippi State on January the 13th, where that is going to be a huge showdown, because Mississippi State, to me, while they're 10-2, and they're not very impressive to me either. They're just not. They're still the team that lost to Southern at home. Okay. They barely beat Rutgers, who barely beat some college called Stonehill today by one at home. Barely beat Murray State. Lost to Southern, lost to Georgia Tech. So they will get Tolu Smith back. They will, and that will make them a lot better team. But they'll be coming off of a game against number six, Tennessee, at home to where they could either get destroyed that game and be at a low, or they could come off a huge win against a top five opponent or top six opponent and be at a high. Alabama's kind of in a particular situation with them because they play them in between Tennessee and Kentucky. So while you're gearing up for the top ten teams, Oh, you got to play Alabama too, which is who's eight and five or could be ten and five at that time, and not be as excited to play them. So it'll be an interesting game. That that's a very big swing game for Alabama, in my opinion, um, just because Alabama, if they beat South Carolina and Vanderbilt, and they go and they beat Mississippi State on the road, then they get Missouri at home, which, you know, like I mentioned, they're kind of like South Carolina. Metrically, they're not very good, and realistically, I could see Alabama starting five or four and zero before they go to Tennessee on January the twentieth. But I'm I'm jumping way ahead. I just wanted to kind of cover South Carolina and Vanderbilt, but just kind of 
previewing the first five games, I could see them being realistically 4-0 going into Tennessee and then coming back and playing Auburn at home. So it's a it, great path to a very successful start to Alabama's um, conference slate, and that's going to be something that if Alabama can take advantage of, that could really springboard them um, into the rest of the year. Now, before I sign off um, on this episode, I appreciate everyone listening. Um, I'm going to cover, touch on a little recruiting news. Alabama did land commitment from five-star Darion Reed. Um, he's a five-star at a prolific prep, which is where Aiden Shirell, um, Alabama's other five-star top 25 recruit or signee now, uh, plays plays high school ball. So you're getting – Pair of high school teammates, both five stars out of the best high school team in the country, and or one of them. I think they're ranked second or third right now. But Darion Reed is a fantastic two-way player. He plays great defense. He's an excellent offensive player. Um, he has really nice three-point three-point touch, um, but he scores well around the rim. He's a driver. He's a he's a facilitator. He's really a two-it-all guy that plays the wing. He's got great size at 6'7", 190, and he's going to be a guy that I could see end up getting drafted in the NBA after maybe even one year. But he's a guy that's going to be somebody – he's going to be a guy that Nate Oates is going to love to get into his system and really groom him over the over the summer, over the offseason, and really improve the little minor areas that he needs to work on which is finishing with his offhand, three-point um, three, three ability more consistently. You know, so he, he has a nice touch, and you, you can work with nice, a nice three-point touch, nice three-point shot, um, but you just have to kind of hone it to be more consistent uh, when you shoot it. That's something that Noah Clowney really worked on in the offseason, and that's what made him a – first-round pick, and that's something that Darion Reed, I think, um, what he can work on to kind of propel him into that category. But it was a huge class for Alabama, landed the former number one overall recruit, Nas Cunningham, as well as two five-star guys, Aiden Shirell and Darion Reed. So they're going to bring a talented class into um, the program next year with who – who knows who transfers out? Who knows who transfers in? All I know is the future will always be bright with Alabama with talent as long as Nate Oates is at the helm, who also got his 100th win today at against Liberty. So congratulations to Coach Nate Oates getting his 100th victory, the fastest head coach in Alabama history to reach 100 um, career wins. So – Awesome feat for Coach Oates, and hopefully we'll get to see 200 and 300 and so on um, at Alabama. So I appreciate everyone listening again to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. And until next time, I'll probably record again after the the Vanderbilt game next week and then preview South Carolina and Missouri after that. Or Mississippi State, I'm sorry. So until next time. This has been another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Harper. Adios.